Welcome back to The Francisca Show, a Jewish coffeehouse podcast where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I am Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, coach, and also your host. Just before we start, I'd like to announce that I created a free guide available to you that you can get today on my website, franciscamusic.com slash free guide. This guide will help you get started, continue, or finish your projects, your creative projects that you've been dreaming or working on for a whole lot of time. It's time that you start working on your creative projects and completing them. So head on over to franciscamusic.com slash free guide so you can get started on making your impact on the world. And I'll link it in the show notes. And make sure to follow me on Instagram for updates, announcements, and to continue this conversation with me personally. Thanks again to everyone who has been reaching out. I love hearing from you. Keep writing in and enjoy the show. Today we have a singer, songwriter, and trailblazer, Shandel Antella Shore. Welcome to the show, Shandel. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I remember we had a talk and I've been asking you to be on the show for probably since I started the show two years ago or two and a half years ago. I'm so excited we finally have you after your little mini or honeymoon period is over and you have to start working again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'm glad this happened. I know we spoke about it for a long time. So you're very good because you like reminded me a couple times like Shane, what are we doing it? So that's what makes it happen, I think, is you reminding people that they should do it. (laughs) And waiting and waiting. That's big part of it. Anyway, I'll introduce you and start off with the trailblazing part. I just want to make a comment. Ever since I have arrived at the music scene in mainstream Judaism, because I lived in a little cocoon in Moscow my entire life, and then when I transferred and came over, all I've been hearing was your name. If anyone anyone has name recognition in the Jewish female industry of the showbiz, then I would say you're definitely there on the top and you're one of the first. So it's such an honor to have you here. And we'll get started with your background into how uh, you got into the music and arts. I know your whole family is extremely musical. And we'll keep that part short because I feel like many of the people listening to this interview already know a lot about you. So we want to catch some people up, but I'm going to want to focus on other topics that might interest your existing fans. Okay, awesome. Thank you. So basically, uh, my father's a Balchuva musician, my mother's a Balchuva dancer. So all the kids in my family were right into music, singing, writing, playing instruments. Um, I also like the dancing part. And um, my parents always like supported us to like follow our passions and the arts and whatever we were interested in doing. And um, growing up, my father had a studio in the basement. He was always recording people. And I remember looking at them and being like, I want to do that also. So now I can definitely say I've been in the studio many times. Not that studio because we moved when we were when I was like 12 from that house. So I was only in there like a few times back then. Um, but yeah, I have like drummers in my family, a bunch of like guitarists, music producers, a couple different, um, people that work in music. Um, some are observant, some are not. So I definitely growing up had like, a kind of like 
I thought the secular music industry looked very attractive because I didn't see many Jewish women, like religious women doing this. There were three, Kinneret, Julia Bloom, and Hashem Kaubach. That's, that's all I had growing up. And I was always thirsty for more because I really enjoy hearing women sing, I guess as a female who also enjoys singing. So I really, I, I think it's very sad that I didn't have like many artists to listen to growing up because I think it would have been beautiful for me to have role models to show me that I could be religious and do this. And I don't have to look at the secular world and think, oh, that's so much better. They have so many opportunities because there's also so many opportunities in the Jewish world now, thank God, that weren't around when I was growing up. Um, so I want to provide music for women and girls that kind of will like fill a need that I didn't have when I was younger, like songs about life and ups and downs and the journey and struggles because um, I definitely couldn't find any Jewish music like that some years back. So I'm really flattered that you said a lot of people mentioned my name. I didn't even know that, but that's really sweet. For you, it was more not having the music in terms of the words. I think what you're referring to are the words of the music. And I remember you talked about that at one of the Atara meetups. For me, lyrics mean so little because I cannot concentrate on lyrics and music at the same time. And when I'm listening to music, the lyrics are really non-existent. They're sounds. They're sounds that complement the music production. Which, <laughs> So for me, people would catch me listening to really bad music and they're like, how could you listen to this, your rabbi's daughter? And I'd be like, well, what are they talking about? And they're like, don't you know English? You should know. Till this day, I need my husband to interpret songs for me sometimes because I I just can't, I can't focus on all of that. But enough about me. So when a lot of people talk about, you know, there's a lack in the industry and there are no Jewish role models and there's no Jewish music by women for women, they're talking about the music angle of it, you know, hearing a woman's voice or and now you're bringing up the whole messaging part of it, the women's struggles and the lyrics behind all the songs. And that's what was missing. And that was something you started filling. Mm -hmm. Since I've been watching you because you've been around pretty long in terms of the industry. Wow, thank you. That's a big honor to hear you say that. <laughs> so for someone like me or many out there when they're starting out and they start writing their songs, which Baruch Hashem, there are so many women out there who are so talented and write music. But to get from one stage to the next, which is recorded artist, recording artist, you have to get yourself into a studio and you need a budget. And for so many women, that's where it stops because the amount of money that needs to go into it just stops them from, from producing anything or a limited amount. And you had access to professional musicians and professional recording studios from a very mm -hmm. young age, assuming, or at least I always assumed that that helped you. But I remember you talking also about mm -hmm. how, you know, just covering the production costs isn't enough to release something. And there are other struggles that have budget and money involved. So take us through the journey. So nobody's done this before except the three you've mentioned. So what does that look like? You get into your father's studio or your brother's studio and you start releasing music or producing. Well, I guess before that, right. So I guess like the songwriting process, people, you know, uh, since I was like, I don't know, 12, 13, or let's, let's say 18 and on when I was a little more mature and writing about deeper topics, I think I've written like, I don't know, at least like two, 300 songs, but I can't take any credit because I think Hashem just puts it in my head and I write it down. Like, I don't know where it comes from and I can't just sit down and write a song. Like, it just 
I have to be like really upset or really happy or something really inspirational just happened. Like it really, I believe it's from Hashem and I'm fortunate that I'm able to write it down through him sharing the inspiration with me. Um, so definitely that comes first. I started playing guitar when I was 18 because I realized if you write songs, it's really awesome to, to be able to have an instrument to accompany yourself. And growing up, my father tried to teach me a few times, but he's like, -na 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 -na. that didn't sound so good, but it's a voice as opposed to a guitar. He's like a crazy, talented guitarist. So I thought it was the most impossible musician. I was so scared to even touch a guitar. And then in Israel, all these hippies are playing guitar in the street. And I'm like, that looks kind of nice and easy. Maybe I should try to learn it again. So I bought my first guitar thousands of miles away from my house, which already had a guitar like waiting for me. But anyway, right, so once I get to write the songs, um, I would send them to my brother, who is amazing. He's a great producer. He's produced Nechama Cohen. He produced my work, Ari Kunstler, a bunch of different artists, Jewish, not Jewish. So we, even though I do have access to, like, thank God, a studio, so it's definitely cheaper for me to make a, a record, make an album, but it still, believe it or not, costs thousands of dollars because I still hired a bunch of musicians and graphic artists and, you know, paying for the copies of the CD and how many pages I want in the, like, insert. So, but I, I do think it's doable, at least for people to, like, release, like, a few songs, at least to start. But, yeah, I remember, so so I still had to pay a lot of money, um, but it's definitely worth it. So, so, yeah, I guess I would go into the studio, you know, we would do, like, a scratch track, which means, like, I'd be singing along to, like, just, like, rough guitar, like, a rough guitar track that we're not going to use in the real thing, just to get the timing and stuff like that. Um, and then the musicians would record like the proper track once they have my vocals there just with the timing to like help them stay in time. Um, and then I would come back to do the real vocals and harmonies. And usually that would take about two hours generally per song. And by then I'm like finished cause I had to sing like each line so many times and like harmonies that are so, so high. I'm like having a hard time, like talking about my brother's like, just do it. You can do it. You're done soon. Like, don't worry. Obviously, it's not going to strain your voice, so I always tell people, like, if it hurts, you should not be doing it, but sometimes just for, you know, for an album, it's worth it to do, like, to try to push yourself a little bit more, because it's going to be recorded, and that's, you know, that's done. So, yeah, I guess, like, that's part of the process, but also before that's, like, filtering all the songs, like, I would, like, sing my brother all the songs, and we'd say, oh, this one's nice, not this one, not that one, so he really helped me choose the songs for the albums that I've done. So I guess I gave you kind of like some different examples, just a little bit out of order, how it works. That's how artists' brains are. We're like, ooh, 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 think of this, think of that. And like, it all comes together at the end. And there you have an album. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, wow. So that sounds super fun. And so your first album came out at around 18, right? So, yeah, I think I was, yeah, yeah, I was 18, 18, 19. So how do you go from releasing an album to performing and being everywhere? How does that transition happen? And maybe, maybe it didn't go in that order. Right. You're making me feel so good right now. I'm like, wow, maybe more people listen than I think. I try to like, you know, say like Hashem gives us talent and there's so many amazing people, but it's nice to hear that like people enjoy my music and know of me because, you know, it's hard to know people are listening and you're not in the room with them. Um, so basically, so while I was in Israel, like that's when I like decided like I really want to be more careful about Kalisha. Before then, I really wanted to be kind of out there in the world, even though I was always religious. I like just needed to find an outlet to use my music and my singing and my songwriting. So in Israel, they had 
an open mic night for women every single week. They don't have it anymore. Now they have like something like karaoke. This was something else. You know, it would be only women that night. And my madricha from seminary would come with us. It was totally kosher. And I got most of my experience performing like original songs at that open mic night. Because I just learned how to play guitar, you know, a little bit earlier that year. This is actually before the CD came out, but how I got a lot of my performance experience. And then when I came home, that's when I recorded a lot of the music before heading back to Israel for Shanabet. I wanted to go to Neve Yerushalayim for women to spend a little more time in Israel studying. So that was awesome. But so a lot of my experience performing was, was great because in America, I didn't really see options for women to come to like a restaurant and have an open mic night. And they had an Israel every single week. And I showed up. Yeah, pretty much every week, unless they didn't have it that week. But I, I really, really loved it. It was like a dream come true to be able to like perform at these open mic nights. And they also had like a like an American Idol type of competition in Israel for women. Like I always dreamed about being in some sort of competition. But again, I there was no like girls religious Jewish competition. So that was difficult for me. Now they have that, which we can speak about um, a little bit later in the interview. But I tried out for the competition. And the first year I tried out, I did not get in. And I'll tell you why. I just started playing guitar, like, I don't know, a month before or something. So if someone just starts playing an instrument, it's probably better to just sing at a, at a tryout as opposed to like playing and singing. But I kind of felt like I needed the guitar at this point for my voice, but I really didn't. So they said, you know, practice a little more because <laughs> it's really hard to sing and play guitar, like think about the words and the chords and not look down. And it's important, I guess, to concentrate on your singing. So the next year when I came back to Israel, I did not have my guitar on me, even though I was definitely more comfortable with it by then. I used like background music. So, you know, even someone like me was definitely turned down. First of all, just in this competition, other times throughout the years, like many, 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 many times, put down, push down, shut down. I can give you some examples soon. But for me, I was like, wow, like I could really do this. There's even opportunities for me to be in a, a, a like a singing competition in Israel and like a final show in a huge auditorium. I'm like, why do I need American Idol? I have this right here and I get to sing my own songs that are inspiring and appropriate. Why would I want to have to sing some other famous songs by who knows who with who knows what words in it? Because you don't really have a choice what you're going to do out in the secular world. It's for TV. You know, a lot of it is kind of like you're a puppet and you need to like be prettier and skinnier and wear tighter clothes and all these things that I really was not interested in doing, obviously. And I felt like I could really be a religious Jewish woman and also pursue my singing. This competition didn't have one winner. It had a top 10, I guess, because, you know, Jews were into like love and making everyone feel good. But obviously those, I'm sure like hundreds, I don't know how many people tried out. And then those top 10 were in the final show. Um, so, so that was just really amazing for me and really was like a game changer. So spending time in Israel for me as a Jewish woman who's artistic really, really changed my life and really helped me in so, so, so many ways. Um, Francisca, I don't know if you can relate to that at all. Like just spending, have you spent time in Israel or anything like that? I have, but I do not have your experiences. It's okay. I was not involved in the art scene there at all. It's okay. When you go back and visit, there's <laughs> lots going on. So just that, that gave me the boost that I needed to feel like I could really do this. And there, I do have a voice and there are people that do want to listen and get inspiration. And that was in a way that I never thought I could have before. So that was really exciting for me. And there were still so many challenges, but that really like pushed me to keep going and to like really get into it. Wow. So you get your name out there, I guess, and you're performing, you're in people's faces. 
when does this start to transition into paid gigs? And I know in Israel, the paid gigs are a lot lower paying than they are in the States. But tell me about how that happened. And Mm -hmm. did you do a ton for free and then start charging? How did that look for you? I'm so curious. I think everyone else there is curious as well. Think you were paving the road for a lot of the patterns that are happening now that hopefully a lot of it we're trying to change. But yeah, don't assume that women just come for free and men you pay. Now there are different standards and women are standing up for themselves more. But what was it like back then? Mm -hmm. And then what is it like right now? I'm going to want to hear both. Okay. Okay. I definitely had to get a lot tougher to, uh, you know, kind of say my price. But in the beginning, I definitely did a lot of things for chesed, a lot of things for free, a lot of opportunities that I thought would inspire the crowd and also help get my name out there. By a lot, do you mean everything was basically that? And you were like, now I'm just, you know, going for a year of just saying yes to every opportunity without. I'm trying to remember if people called me and wanted to like hire me for something, like if I had to travel far, I was not going for free. You know what I'm saying? Because that's like time and, and energy. But like definitely when people started calling for bat mitzvahs, people usually don't ask for someone to come for free. Definitely people always want to like get like a big discount or usually it's for a chesed organization, which is such a beautiful, amazing thing. And part of me is like, God forbid, I don't want chesed. Like, this is my parna. So, like, I also need a, to work and get paid for, for my gift. I talked to Nechama Kohn a lot about this. And we're like, you know what? People take voice lessons and guitar lessons and put money into their CDs and put money into their, like I was saying before, the graphics and the copies and their email lists or whatever. The music music videos. music videos. Oh, my gosh. Thousands of dollars, depending what kind of budget you have nowadays with the iPhones, things can look so professional. Francisco, you have some gorgeous videos. I'm like, I want to talk about you, but I know it's an interview with me today. Thank you. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. It can be so, so expensive. And people just think, Oh, you're not losing like a, you're not like giving a product away. You're not like, you know, it's not like a food, I guess. So like maybe just come for free. And I'm thinking like life doesn't always work like that. I definitely, definitely try it. Even Nowadays, mostly I do get paid gigs again because it's like my parnasa and I just got married and that's kind of what I'm doing now, not as a full-time job because it usually isn't a full-time job even for people out there in the secular world, but until I like kind of figure out my schedule and everything, um, that's kind of what I'm doing as my parnasa. And it's interesting because sometimes people really think you're talented and really like are very happy to pay your price and like don't try to bargain with you. And that's so refreshing. It's like, oh, I don't have to like be like, yeah, I really understand, but this is my price. And okay, I'll give you a discount. You know, it's so nowadays, sometimes like I say my price and I don't have people like haggling with me for this and for that. So that's always really nice. But I understand to duck organizations, they don't have tons of money to like hire entertainment. So I really take each event separately, but generally I do charge for my events. In the beginning, if nobody knew my name, they weren't like, yes, let's pay you this amount of money to come perform at this school. Like, if they don't know who I, you know, who I was yet, then people aren't exactly looking to like pay lots of money. But once people hear your music or hear about you through their friends, then they're more willing to do that. Again, depending on what type of event it is and what the point of the event is, if it's like a Tzedakah fundraiser or just like a community concert, a uh, girl's talent show. <laughs> wow. So can we talk about a low point in your career? And I, I would just love to hear about some challenges you had to deal with and how that was reflected in your career. And it, it could be anything. Okay. Okay. You're very good. Thank you. So 
it's interesting. As you were asking me that, I had a flashback to one weekend, I don't know, many, many years ago. And I remember being so upset and so down about music or life, different things. And I remember telling myself, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing music anymore. I can't do this. I hate getting negative feedback from people and people saying horrible things to me. Like I'm not Jewish enough and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's it. Like I just, I'm finished. Like, bye-bye. No more. What was the breaking point or the sequence of events? You know, I'll tell you a few specific challenges that came up. You know, getting my music into stores was not easy at all. Even if it was just as professional as the men's CDs, people said, you know, women's music doesn't sell. Sorry, we don't really want to put it in our stores. And I was like, oh, women's music doesn't sell, right? Well, maybe you don't have any, so obviously it doesn't sell. No one sees it anywhere. <laughs> what are they going to buy if it's not even there? You know, and then eventually like a couple years later, years, you know, this is me. I have one or two CDs already and I still, they didn't put my music in stores, maybe a few of them. And I was just like, why can't you put women's music also? Some girls might want to hear women sing and not only men sing. First of all, the keys are so different. You can't even sing along to men singing sometime because it's so much higher, so much lower. So this is giving girls an opportunity to sing more in their lives, in their homes, of course, or in a women only area, according to how I, you know, observe Kalisha. So that was one thing. And finally, when I did get my music in the stores, I remember like going to a store and, and thinking, you know, they put my music in the store, but I literally can't find it anywhere. So I was just like wondering where they put it. Like, is it in like the back room in a closet somewhere? Like, I don't understand. It's my CD. I should be able to find it rather quickly. So I don't know. I found like in one store, they were on the bottom shelf. In another store, they were like a bunch of artists, like kind of stacked in a row as opposed to like on a wall. Do you know what I'm saying? Let's say like one row, like with a bunch behind each other. So I found my CD in the back and I was like, gee, I wonder why women's music doesn't sell. Either it's not in the store or if it's in the store, it's hidden. So what do they expect? You know, and then eventually I saw like a store had like a listening station and, and it had some women's music and it said for women only, you know, so I was like, oh, great. And then people bought a little more, you know, I put my CDs on mostly music and I would share info. People could buy it on iTunes, mostly music. Um, really iTunes was more personal for me. But mostly music, a lot of from people like buying music on that website, I guess. So eventually, you know, the CDs got maybe pushed a little more towards like the front of a row and could be seen, sort of. And now I'm not really sure because I know a lot of people get music online, iTunes and Spotify and Apple Music and all that, um, which is hard for artists. That's another challenge. That's a more that's a newer challenge. Like, obviously, people used to copy music and I was, you know, when I started my music career, I was like, wow, I never realized how horrible it is to copy music. Like these artists put their like sweat and tears, no blood, you know, blood, sweat and tears, none of the blood. <laughs> but, um, and it's just, people are just like taking their music. It's like, you know, if, if someone buys a cake and like gives everyone a piece, everyone shares, you know, a little bit, but the, the person that like bought the cake doesn't get much as in like with music it could be copied a thousand times but it's not like i'm getting like for all fire. people yeah exactly so you know people are like can me and four of my friends split your seat and I, I didn't know what to say because that was the first time anyone asked me that and i was like um i, I don't know like i guess so and now it's like ten dollars you know ten twelve dollars like it's not a huge investment and you're going to get so much for it. like i still buy cds now even though most people don't don't buy CDs, unfortunately, because I still have thousands from previous years that I ordered and reordered when I sold out of them. But I still like to like hold a physical CD and open it up and see pictures and lyrics. Like I just enjoy that process, and maybe it'll come back in style. You never know. 
but yeah, definitely some of those challenges were also right. Like people copying music aside from the Kalisha aspect, just as a musician, no matter what world you're a musician in, that was difficult. Um, and yeah, but I have to say, you really see Hashem in your life. I did a concert in a camp. I'm not going to mention which one, but they, they said they do not pay any one that comes performer, musician, whatever entertainment they do not pay. So I was like, do I want to do this or do I not want to do it? They don't pay anyone. Okay. Well, you know what? I think that was only after my first or second city. So I was still new and starting out. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to do it. So, you know, I definitely spent hours traveling to this camp and there was a blackout and they said the, the, the electricity is not coming back on. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, there are like going to be hundreds of girls. I, I can't, you know, I'm not like a cantor and opera singer. Like I am like a pop rock singer, I guess you could say pop inspirational, whatever. Um, soft, soft folk. I don't know what, you know, pop country rock. A lot of people have different opinions, but I just like a little bit of everything besides rap. I don't do any rap, but it's cool for other artists that do that. I just don't personally have rap in my songs, but every other genre pretty much. <laughs> um, so, so I was like, should I turn around and drive like two hours home now? Like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, they said the fire department is helping other people get their electricity back on, but not the camp. So I'm just like, I, they're like, well, like candles. So basically I got to the camp somehow magically the electricity did go back on. I was just like, thank you Hashem, because this was going to be like a disaster. And even if the, the sound system wasn't perfect, cause a lot of times, you know, people don't have the best quality sound system. Like I was just so happy to have a microphone that worked. And this is where I definitely saw Shem's hand. First of all, that the fact that the electricity came back on magically when I was told it's impossible. And I brought a certain amount of CDs with me. You know, back then people did buy like a little more than they do now. And I feel like Hashem was telling me I did the right thing by coming and trying to give girls chizuk about like modesty and, and being a Jewish woman and, you know, just kind of stuff that Jewish girls deal with. So I think I brought 60 CDs with me. I don't know if I should say the number, but see, people should buy CDs. And I sold every single one. And that was the last girl buying was the last CD. And that was it. And I was like, wow, Hashem, like, you know, like you give me exactly what I need. And that made me feel like, you know what? Hashem's going to help you get paid. Like I didn't get paid from the show, but I, by the way, that hasn't happened in years. <laughs> it should happen for all of us. Hashem. But I was just like, that's Hashem because no one ever buys that many CDs in any, in any concert, even if it's probably like a famous secular artist, it just, people don't buy so many. Now people buy a few at shows, which is more normal. But that for me was like, Hashem saying, keep doing this. I'm going to help you. You know, I'm going to help you earn money. I'm going to help you reach different people, women and girls. Cause I was just like, I don't even know if this is worth it. Like schlepping out through a forest to get to a place that might have a blackout. I was just like, every time I do something like they don't want to pay. And, and then it's like, you know, it just so many things would come up that really, made me feel like, I don't know if this is worth all the craziness and the effort and all the pain of also getting like the negative feedback from people. Cause that's something that a lot of artists that put themselves out there definitely get artists, writers, people in fashion, anybody, but specifically I'm like a very sensitive soul. So for me, when someone would like put down my music or say it doesn't sound Jewish enough, first of all, now I'm like, Baruch Hashem, there's so much other ayayay music. They don't have to listen to my music, but for all the people that need something a little different, a little more funky, I'm so happy they have something, but there's plenty more music that is more, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how else to describe it, but I just say that and people, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I do Kirov and I know that a lot of girls need something else. Like I needed something else growing up and I couldn't find it. So I'm like, you know what? I don't change non-Jewish songs. All my albums are all my original songs. Once in a while, I'll like rewrite a song to be like 
about Judaism and as a cover, but generally my albums and my music videos are um, usually songs that I wrote most of the time, pretty much like 90% of the time. So, you know, a lot of people like could take really inappropriate songs and change them. But if it's a man, then it's okay. And people don't give them a hard time. And I'm like, as a woman, I'm writing my own music about Hashem. And like, people are telling me like, it's not Jewish. It's not appropriate. And I was just like, what, what's a girl supposed to do? You just can't win. Like, what is this? Um, now again, I think people are a little more flexible about this because so many people redo songs. But back then, oh my gosh, I, I saw once on like a Jewish woman's website, like, has anyone heard of this artist? I don't know, I really think like her music is too heavy, blah, blah, blah. And I was like really hurt by that because I was like, I'm trying to give people inspiration. Maybe people have struggles in their life and no one else is talking about it. Maybe they need someone to actually address it and try to like give them chizuk for a change, you know, because it's not something that's really out there. Somebody once told me this was a really painful thing to hear. I, I like had to recover for, I don't know, a long time until I found the right rabbi to speak to and really asked my shyness to because I don't know, I was telling someone I have music videos and songs. They asked me what I do. And they're like, you don't have one Yitzhahara. You have two. You and your and your music video producer, because that's like double Yitzhahara, movies and songs. I mean, music video, three minutes is not a movie. But I was so torn and hurt when I heard that. I was like, oh, my gosh, am I not, am I not a good Jew? Am I not a good person? Like all this work that I'm doing and all this work on Sneas and keeping Kalisha, is this for nothing? Am I, am I like... Is this sitting? People made me feel like it was like a sin to put out music and videos. I'm not talking, this is like going to make me emotional. Could you imagine hearing this when like nobody else was really doing it yet? No one else had a music video out yet. No other females. Like a professional, full-blown music video with a director and a crew. I'm not saying I was the first one. There are music videos out there in the world. But I think as the first Jewish religious woman that did it, oh, people were not nice. I heard so many. I know you're like smiling slash like, Ivey. No, I I know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. Girl, it was so tough. And I'm like, I'm so upset that I had to go through that because it was years of like thinking I'm just going to give up or this is not working or you know what, I, I'm just I don't fit in in this Jewish music world because people are very close minded about different things. And you know what, it's not even that they're close minded. People aren't used to hearing women sing on a CD professionally. That's why it sounds not Jewish because there aren't many women doing that. So they think it's not Jewish because, like, they don't ever hear people doing that. Do you know what I'm saying? For sure. So, like, even if men have, like, cool pop kind of voices, which, you know, like, I love Garaba's style. I love, like, a lot of other styles that's more like the pop, like, ooh, like, ups and downs and stuff like that. And um, so when men do it, I don't think people say, oh, that's not Jewish. But when a woman does it, it's like, oh, what is this? I've never heard such a thing before. Like, it can't be Jewish. It can't be, like, appropriate. You know, so I definitely over the years, I've gotten a lot of more – you know, I kind of figured out things and I got a lot stronger from all these comments. And even though I'm not like happy I had to go through this suffering, we can call it, and challenges that came with producing music and videos, but I'm really happy now that so many women and girls are doing it. And guess what? They're getting a lot less than I got because I think I like took the brunt of it just because, you know, putting yourself out there, it's kind of like an opening for people to do that to you. I don't know, even like one video, someone's like, oh, I see your knees. And I was like, I'm wearing boots and my knees are covered also with my skirt. Like people would like make things up that weren't even there. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. Um, what else? I was trying to think of like another interesting comment that happened, right? Definitely the eight to her thing was really hard for me. And now I have a rub and the truth is we don't have to get into a whole coalition discussion, but I try my best. For example, all my music videos are private on YouTube and I never tell anyone else, oh, you have to be private, blah, blah, blah. But I know that's my way of like less men seeing it. And I have plenty of religious people that I know that's public and I would never like judge anyone because 
really it's on the men. It's not even our responsibility. So when people would question me, I'd be like, it's not even public on YouTube. Like, do you want me to like stay in my bedroom all day and like cry myself to sleep and sing myself lullabies? Like, what should I do with this talent? Like it's private. Like people can search on YouTube for three hours and they're never going to find my music videos just because I can't even access them. So, you know, even with putting in so much effort to be careful, people still gave me like, you know, negative comments. I'm like, you know what, Shane's they don't really know what they're talking about because I can start getting into an argument, but you know what? It's just not my style. I don't like arguing with people. They're not going to understand unless they do their own research. People are not so knowledgeable in this area. And I'm actually, I'm probably a little extra careful about certain things, even if I don't have to be, but I just feel more comfortable doing that, knowing that like it's harder for men to find my music in my videos. But it's just interesting because now I still get these comments, but now I kind of like, it's like, it hurts a little, but then I laugh in the past. I would like cry. So I think that's some good news that I've grown a little bit, but yeah. So, you know, what? it's, I definitely want to give girls because like anything different that they're doing, you know, like the last girls talent show that I was a judge at and a guest performer girls talent tour. You should all check it out. My friend bought Zachter runs it. It's amazing. She was on this podcast as well. You could check out her episode. Awesome. You guys should definitely check that out. It's amazing. And I saw the process from the beginning and I always was like, oh, it would be so cool if I could be a judge, like, because I can't sing on these shows and I got to be a judge. They had like screens on the judges and in the back, everything on the big screen and such amazing talent. I was like, who needs anything else? Like we have everything we need right here and we could like be appropriate and have self-respect and not go crying that night, upset what we had to wear and what we had to sing about. Yes. I'm sure whoever listens to this podcast is understanding what I'm saying. Um, it's not a pretty world out there. Definitely not. And definitely the world outside does not treat women very well, especially in the music industry. Um, so, so it's really cool. And I feel like I got to be in open mic nights. I got to be in a competition. I got to judge at a competition and that's open for other people as well. It's not like these aren't around anymore. So I just like, and there's all these performing arts camps and programs, you know, there's, there's an Israel, um, Robin Garbos has her camp called Neshama and there's Kama Orr, which is an amazing performing arts camp. I believe in Lakewood, Pennsylvania, not Lakewood, New Jersey, but Lakewood, Pennsylvania. There's camps, other camps in Israel and other camps is Moret. I'm like, do you girls realize like how amazing this is? I, I don't think anyone knows what it was like before, but I remember there really wasn't anything around. There really wasn't or else I thought I could have maybe done something as a, from woman or girl singing and performing, but I really couldn't find, I barely found anything. So I really want these girls to know that this really changed and they should feel so lucky because there was nothing before. Yeah. So, um, I'm just really happy that, and I'm not jealous, I'm happy for the opportunities that I did or didn't have growing up, but I'm just really happy for them that people don't have to think they can't be religious. If they want to express themselves and sing on a stage or dance on a stage, they can be religious and they can keep everything and still be in, you know, beautiful concert halls doing exactly what kind of talent they're interested in. Okay. You know, things have to be like modest depending on what crowd it is or whatever, but this is the time when like it's totally growing and flying. And I think this generation, I'm so happy for them that they have this and me, I enjoy, you know, seeing it grow also. Yeah. It's amazing. And I think, I mean, you said, I'm not jealous of the people today. If anything, you should be not should, but as a, like a parent who right. could ah. be jealous of an environment their children have that they didn't have growing up. If anything, they should feel proud because they, exactly. they were part of facilitating that new environment. So it's exactly. it's your work that you're seeing. It's part of your grind that there are I'm, you and many, many others out there who have been working on changing the environment for from women and girls today. 
I do want to reference there was an intensive, comprehensive episode we did on Kolisha with a rabbi and a therapist. So if anyone... I started hearing that and I couldn't finish, but I need to go back and finish it. <laughs> but if anyone here listening, if you want to check that out just to get more perspective on the different, you know, halacha and hashkafa, feel free to check that out. So moving on, I did ask on Instagram today if anyone wanted to submit some questions for you. And we did have a question that I think would be great to ask you. So what's the hardest part of what you do? And how do you deal with it? I know we spoke about challenges, but I think this is different. And the way I phrase this question on the show is there are parts that we love about this. Obviously, probably the performing and creating the music or inspiring people and then there are the things that we hate but we have to do it if we want to keep in it or stay warm and yeah it's part of it it's a really good question you definitely heard a little bit from what I was saying before but I think the hardest part is when people don't take music seriously like when people are like oh can you come for free to this concert it's like it's my Parnassa and I invested a lot of money in this you know people spend money on college and no one's like to their doctor hi can I come for free like Obviously, I'm not comparing myself to a doctor. Or- they do that all the time, you know? <laughs> to from doctors, Shabbos is the free day to uh, come. Well, Shabbos know? is different because <laughs> I guess they can't pay. But my point is that p- when people call someone up for service, it's not like everyone's like, hi, can you ca- can you do this for free? Can I can I have this outfit for free? Because, like, I just, like, I want to, like, wear it to a fundraiser. I'm saying the world doesn't work like that. But for some reason with art, people think that it does. And because artists are so passionate about what they do, it's hard for them to say no because they can't always do free gigs, you know what I'm saying? And I know like my friends also have this, I think we were also discussing this when we hung out in Philadelphia, that was super awesome that we got to bond not too long ago. Um, So I think the hardest part is wanting to do more and share more with the world, but feeling not limited, but feeling that I have a specific audience and trying to figure out the best ways to reach them And also just being able to perform, you know, a lot of people want like DJ dance music and that's wonderful. And there are tons of DJ dancers and stuff like that. But for me, I want to share my, my inspiration with people. I want to make them feel good about themselves, make them feel happy, make them feel pretty. People feel so bad about themselves nowadays with social media and all these images and like no one looks good enough because everything online is perfect and it's also perfectly fake, but whatever, that's another conversation. So yeah. So again, just trying to find my audience without, um, you know, without like, like lowering my religious standards. Um, but also the main thing I guess is not performing as much as I would like to. And it's interesting because people think I'm performing every day and I'm like, no, you see me post on Instagram and that was the show that month or the show that whatever, every three weeks, you know, it's not, people just see someone's life and think that's everything they're doing every day, which, you know, I think is definitely true for singers. Cause even like, People are like, oh my gosh, you're so happy all the time. And I'm like, I don't post my sad days or if I'm ever crying on Instagram. Hi, everyone, I'm miserable and crying. How are you? Like, I don't really want to put out, and it's fine if people do that, but it's not really my style because I want to put out positive information out there to the world. I definitely write about my challenges, but I don't, I want to uplift people as opposed to like make them feel bad for me, you know? So people think like I'm doing concerts every night and you know, I was speaking to my father once and I was like, daddy, like, how did you become from? It must've been so hard. You're doing so many gigs before you're religious. My dad was on MTV before he became religious with a group called the triplets. He was their bass player or their guitar player. Maybe both. I have to double check. And it was like before, before like anyone was really on MTV, like really, really in the beginning. So I guess it'd be like, my dad was one of the, you know, the, 
what's it called when you said like a trailblazer for MTV? No, I'm joking. But he was one of the original, you know, groups that were on there. And um, I was like, that must have been really hard for you because you had kind of what I always wanted growing up. Um, and I know you used to be able to do that. And again, it was before he knew about religious Judaism. And he's like, Shandel, do you know how crazy artists go from listening to them sing the same song every single night for two months on a tour? He's like, they want to rip their hair out. I'm like, wow, I never realized that. You know, everyone just sees like, oh, it's so glamorous. They're so lucky. They're inspiring their fans and everyone loves them and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that puts everything in a totally different perspective because you can't sing whatever you want. You have to sing what the fans want. And even some of my own songs, not that I'm sick of them, but if you have certain ones you always perform, sometimes you get a little sick of them. Um, and also I once had this conversation with a rabbi, actually super awesome rabbi, musician, Orthodox, totally understood what I was saying. And he was like, even in the secular world, if people don't have certain, like, again, I don't want to use the word restric restrictions, but certain, like a certain path that they're going on of like, you know, limiting it to women in whatever level they're doing it in. If they're, you know, like as an Orthodox woman, he's like in the secular world, only like one or 2% of people that are musicians and artists actually even make money off of it. As in, it's not like everyone, all of a sudden you go on a, you know, competition, you become famous. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that they're waitressing their whole life because they're just trying so hard to make it big and they never do. So I was like, you know what? Not everyone who sings in the secular world is doing this every night, even if they can technically, you know? Like a lot of people are still singing in the subways and that's a beautiful thing. But I'm like, I'm really lucky that I actually get to do concerts. I feel like as a religious woman doing this, so talking about that was like more challenges and talking about like maybe a, the opposite of that, trying to be like positive, but you know, just as I was talking and I'm like, women and girls actually have a niche audience because nowadays people are more interested in having women's concert for the community. You know, there was always a thing of girls night out. It's not something we invented and people just enjoy being around women, you know, letting their hair down, so to speak. If they cover their hair, I'm saying they probably still keep it covered. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whatever, just relaxing. And, you know, if there's music, they get to dance. They don't have to feel self-conscious. Like, GNO is not something that we just started recently. This has been around for a long time. People love female bonding. And at a concert, that's really something that they get to enjoy. So, basically, you know, people have bat mitzvahs. They're not going to hire some... Whatever, they're looking... They're going to look for a Jewish artist to bring. And, again, like... There's so many of us with, with so many different styles, and it's awesome. And again, like I do talk to Nahama Cohen, another amazing artist you guys should check out. We talk a lot about this stuff. Who was on this show as well. <laughs> Yay, everyone should listen to her um, her interview. She's great. And um, we just talk about how, you know, there, there now there are many artists, thank God. And, you know, there's, there's thousands of shuls, and there's thousands of Jewish communities. I don't know about thousands, hundreds. Like there's plenty of room for everybody, and some people – like, you know, other styles, maybe they don't necessarily like my style as in like, there is room for people and people shouldn't be like, Oh, I'm not good enough. And I can't do this. Like people can do something in their community. They can do something in their house. They can do an open or a clumsy. I feel like people can totally do this and like little by little get out there and get more opportunities. Like it is hard to find them even for me. And I don't know about you, Francisco, but speaking for myself, you said like, you heard my name a bunch of times and even for me, you know, it's not like I get gigs every week, but when I do get them, I'm very thankful to Hashem. And also I realize how, you know, coming, coming back late every night and being so tired the next day, not being able to function, it's not like a realistic lifestyle to live either. And that's really how it goes, even in the firm world. So, you know, like, I don't want to like never see my husband at night because I'm doing shows every night, even though I used to want to be able to do so, so, so many shows. So I'm definitely like seeing things a little differently now than when I was growing up, but 
I'm definitely, I'm very happy that, you know, I can do music. And again, it's still challenging, but I just have Tasham to like give me the motivation and the energy to keep wanting to do it, even with the frustration that it comes with. Wow. Do you want to touch upon the fact that you, unlike me, where my singing career started after I got married versus for you, you built this whole thing uh, pre-marriage and you went into your marriage already as a star or as you know, as Shane Delon tell us, like changing your name right now is a big deal or, you know, there's name recognition involved. Um, so how was being single or dating in the Shidduch system? How did that affect your career? How did that affect your Shidduchim? And now that you're married, maybe you could tell us because I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I did bring it up with some single. We're talking about somebody who's probably being rejected on dates because it's it's not the regular thing and it's not what a Jewish, you know, that's not what we would like for our son. Exactly. So it's such a good question. And now I, I don't mind telling you about it because it's like a less sensitive topic. Most guys that were suggested to me, I believe said no, because either I heard sometimes that like guys were intimidated. And I'm like, I'm really not intimidated. I'm like a really friendly person. It's not like I'm like some fancy, like, anesthesiologist or something like some fancy crazy job that guys would be intimidated by. I'm like, I just like write songs that a shem puts in my head and I sing them and I want to inspire a girl. So I thought that was so interesting. I heard that a few times and like some guys like didn't think it was so tzniest. And I was like, I wear tzniest clothes. I sing about appropriate messages about Hashem and inspiring people. I'm like, like really like, it's not like I'm not firm enough. Cause I'm, I'm like, I'm doing this in a firm way. I'm not trying to go out there in the world and, and, get famous in Hollywood. I used to want that, but now I'm totally doing the opposite of that. So I think it's so funny that people be like, oh, you know, it's not Tzni, it's not appropriate. I'm getting like all like he did. I'm like, it's so Tzni. Hashem wants us to inspire his children and show them what a good role model is and that modesty could be funky and beautiful and you can enjoy it and don't have to feel like you're like locked in a jail every time you get dressed. You know what I'm saying? Also another topic, I have a lot to say, but um, a lot of guys said no, you know, and a lot of people that I guess were interested in me, not that there were a lot, but I'm saying the ones that were, were all musicians. And I was like, one of us has to like have a regular job and be even keeled because too much artsiness is just not going to be a good thing. Um, you know, I, I have tons of friends, like female friends that are musicians and artists and dancers and writers. And I love it, but I would never, I didn't want to date the guys that were like these musicians because for too many reasons, you know? So, you know, it's so interesting because my husband, he didn't even look into me. He's like, oh, she's a singer. Cool. Like he didn't listen to my music till we got married. And again, there's different opinions, different levels of what people, people keep. But I was so happy that he didn't listen because for some reason, when people know you're a singer or a musician, tell me if you also have this, they kind of like look at you a little differently or like in the street, you see them look and point at you. Like it's a funny thing. It's like they don't know how to think of you. <laughs> they right. can't put you anywhere. Exactly. And like you're a regular person, like everyone else, we have emotions. We are happy. We are sad. We have struggles. We have happy times, like no difference. We just like to sing. So we might even have more intense emotions. It's not as glamorous as it looks. Um, so I love that he didn't listen. Cause when I got to know him, he just saw me as me and listened to what I was saying, as opposed to saw me singing and, you know, wearing these fancy gowns in the palace video. And then I don't know, rocking out of my guitar in a different video. He really just got to know me for me. So I was like, so happy that I found a guy who didn't want to go out with me just because I'm a musician, didn't listen to my music or see my music videos before we got married. And, and he also loves singing and loves music and he isn't a musician. So I'm like, that's perfect. Hashem, you know, obviously like, you know, life you know nothing's perfect perfect like everyone has to work on their own things in general in life single married whatever it is but 
Um, it was not easy. I got a lot of no's, a lot of no's over the years, like so, so, so many. And it really hurt, you know, it hurt. And I'm not, you know, shy to like say my age. I know women, we don't want to say our age all the time. I got, you know, engaged like right after turning 30 years old, like a week or two after this past Shavuos, after Shavuos, I got engaged and like, I didn't want people to feel bad for me. I'm like, I don't feel like I'm a nebuch. I have dreams and I have goals. It's not like I'm waiting around to get married, but people would like, I don't know, say comments like, wow, it must be so hard. Like as an older single, I'm like, older single. I'm like, I don't think I'm an older single. Like who, what's the year that someone's an older single? I'm saying if someone is like growing and working on themselves and, and working a career, whatever it is, like keep going. And of course it's great to get married and register at the right time. But like, I don't, I think single girls have just as much knowledge and talent and, and an opinion that matters just as much as someone who's newly married does just because someone's, you know, married or not, I don't think defines like how smart or how like a, how credible their comments are that they're giving over something like that. And, um, another thing I just, I really want people to know, just talking about Shaduchim for a minute dating. I really didn't know who was going to understand me. Like some of my songs are so deep. I don't even release them. They're really intense. And you know what, when Hashem wants to send you someone, he's going to send you someone that's going to love your good qualities, accept your challenges. And I still like, I'm going to get emotional. To me, it's still like, I don't even know how this happened. Like, it was really from Hashem. I was so, like, scared for marriage or, like, I don't know, I'm a free bird. I like doing my thing and floating and dancing and writing songs. Not really floating. Obviously, we don't know how to float. But you know what I'm saying? I'm like a free spirit. And Hashem really sent me, like, a great guy. And I just want to give people hope because maybe some artists might be listening to this podcast that you will find the right one. And you're going to be so happy that you didn't settle for someone else. Like, of course, sometimes you only see it, like, after the fact, when you find the guy that like, oh, everyone else was like not meant for you, but it is, it is hurtful and people reject you. Like no one ever gets such rejection. Like, I don't like you. I'm not attracted to you. Like, I don't want to see you again. Obviously they don't say it to you. They say it to the shotgun and whatever reason it is that they say no, but it's really hard, you know, music getting rejected, but again, it's okay. And I'm so happy that I didn't waste my time going out with guys that weren't for me. And I'm so happy if I didn't do shows that the audience would have not been comfortable with. Like we all get the right opportunities. Hashem sends us the right people. And hopefully we, you know, get to inspire others along the way and, you know, be happy and express ourselves. You also didn't put your dreams on hold. I feel like that's, that's what would have been sad. You know what I mean? Like the fact that you at 30, you were, yeah, I'm 20 or 22 plus the years with everything that you accomplished in those years. The sad part is, when do you feel bad for someone when they get engaged? I would think, and you never feel bad for somebody, but if they literally put their life on hold because there are certain things they did not want to do until they got married, and you did not do that. Uh-huh. You pursued your right. passion, your calling. You did it with so much resistance, <laughs> and you did it alone, and there was rejection involved, and I just want to validate the fact that I was so happy you got engaged, and then Nechama got engaged, and we had Leigh Gottfried and Jessica Schefter also. And it was just, I, I was just so happy because, you know, we have this, all these from women in the arts and women who are really doing different things because that's what their heart's telling them to do, and they're not falling into peer pressure, and they mm-hmm. find the person who accepts mm-hmm. them fully. And I think that's just so so inspiring that's so inspiring so i 
<laughs> Francisco, you're making me cry. <laughs> you're right. And can I can I tell our audience listening that you know, remember when we we hung out? I just started dating my husband like that week. <laughs> Yes. So, okay. So me and Francisca got together for a coffee date when I was in Philadelphia. Um, I was going to say a few months ago, but more than that, because I was, you know, just going out with my husband, like the first week it was, I believe in May, right after Pesach. Right. So I was in Philly, spent Shabbos with a family that I'm very close to. And the husband's like a movie producer, Balchuva, super cool. You know, you got to stick to the right people that support you and not like make you feel bad about what you're doing and just, you know, support you for doing it in a kosher way. So, um, basically I just started going with my husband and I, and I, I really liked his midos and saw like a lot of good in him, even though it was pretty early on. And I was like, I don't know, but who's going to want like a musician and we're up and down and emotional and blah, blah, blah. So Francisco, I remember I was asking you like, is it hard to be married and be a musician? Like, you know, <laughs> you're, you're living with someone all the time and you're spending like, the rest of your life with someone like are you like nervous if they're going to get upset if like you're too like intense really I was talking more about myself not saying you don't worry and you were telling me like how amazing it is and how much your husband supports you and how you love it and that really made me feel like really calm because I was dating someone that I, I kind of had a feeling that he was going to be the one which most people don't know after a second date but we got lost for two hours and he couldn't find his car and he was totally calm and a total mensch I don't know maybe I shouldn't be sharing this on public public podcast, but I think it's okay. So just from that, I was like any other person that I know or most males would be flipping out if they can't find their car for two hours. They would not be like, Oh sure. You could still talk to me. It's okay. I was like, should I not say anything till you find your car? Like, I don't want to distract you, whatever. So that's really, I know I told you that story, right? When we went out or no, I don't think so. <laughs> ah! <laughs> okay. We're talking music. Music was a very important topic, that conversation that we had. So, um, so I was nervous cause I was like, wow, I, I think this could really be something. So you were like kind of giving me advice and support that it's amazing and it's beautiful to be married and you don't have to stop doing your dreams when you get married. You can just continue doing them with someone that actually cares about you and will support you as opposed to doing it by yourself with all the negative people, you know, giving comments sometimes. Also positive, also positive, thank God. Um, but you really, you really, that conversation really helped me so much. So thank you. Oh, it's such an honor to hear you say that. I'm so happy to have been a part of your journey and I was so excited when you reached out. So I love hearing your story and I'm so happy you shared so much of yourself. I want to end and wrap up with what's next for you. I'm sure you're not done doing what you're doing. You have ideas, you have dreams. So what are the new things you're working on or thinking about? Okay, you inspire me in that area, first of all, because I always see you working on new things. It's awesome. Thank you. Um, really, I know you work very hard. You work very hard, and it's not something that comes so easily. You have to put a lot of effort in. <sighs> What's next? So I heard a really fun song that I just, like, got stuck in my head, and I, I kind of rewrote the words to it. And that one I actually would love to put a music video to. I'm not going to share which song it is yet, but I'm working on getting the, the music produced. And, again, I'm paying for that music production. Like, you know, it's not always, like, oh, my family, you know, because – Sometimes you pay with money and sometimes you pay with other things and working with family. I love my family, but you know, it's different. Yeah, <laughs> okay. hundred percent. Gonna just leave it there. Right. So no, I love my family so, so much. We're a bunch of musicians, you know, it's great. And also hectic. Um, and I call it, you could do it the freeway or the easy way. Ah, you know, right. Like, yeah, it's, it's true. So, so Berksham, I do feel very fortunate, but it's definitely like no way of doing it is that easy. Um, and I have a mix of paying for it and also working with family, but Baruch Hashem, I'm also fortunate for that. Um, so please remind me of what I'm actually supposed to be talking about because my head is going a lot of different directions right now. 
Well, I am I'm asking honest. about your future and right, what right. projects you are working on. Okay, so I was saying I would love to record this song, um, change the words. It's very inspiring. It's a very clean song. So I like to, if I'm going to change any lyrics, I prefer to do a song like that and not a song that everyone's going to be singing the regular words to, which usually aren't that appropriate, right? Um, again, I don't judge other people. I just work on myself and try to have my own, you know, boundaries and what I, you know, what I would like to do and what I think like that's my limit, you know? So I would love to record that song and make a music video for that. Um, but again, music videos are so expensive, you know, like I don't have any cinematographers and videographers in my family. So you got to pay for the editor and the, you know, the film <laughs> director and everything. And I actually like, I released my Ami Sorel Chai music video. I think you, you've seen that one. Chilla. So yes. I released it like the night before I got married because I was like I'm covering my hair it's weird to release it after I get married so I just you know pressed you know release and I yeah everyone's like how'd you do I'm like I just pressed post <laughs> like it was ready ready um but I would really love to be doing another music video and fun song like that you know like dancey and make people feel good and positive and by a woman for a woman that isn't just covering a man's song in the Jewish world and the men are great they have tons of songs but I want to bring women something different. Well, that's so exciting. And so thank you so much, Shandel, for coming on the show. I, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope everyone listening to this also did. How can people find you? Oh, thanks, Francisca. I love talking to you as well. It's always super fun connecting with artists and friends. Um, so people can find me at shandelantelis.com, S-H-A-I-N-D-E-L. A-N-T-E-L-I-S.com, shandelantelis.com. My music is on all, you know, digital music outlets, iTunes, mostly music. And for my music videos, they should go to my website because they won't find them on YouTube, but they're all on my website. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram with the same name as I just told you, so same spelling. And yeah, I hope to, you know, get to meet whoever's listening to this in the future and, you know, love to hear your thoughts. So yeah. And thank you, Francisca, for all the amazing work that you do connecting artists and connecting us with the world to share our struggles and aspirations. And you really are an inspiration to me. So this was really special. Thanks again for sticking around until the end. In case you forgot, check out your free guide to getting started or finishing up your creative projects and creating your impact on the world by going to franciscamusic.com slash free guide for your free tools and resources that I'll be working on creating more for you so you can achieve your dreams. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the show. And once you're on iTunes, leave us a good review. This podcast is available on all your favorite podcast apps on jewishcoffeehouse.com and on franciscamusic.com. If you'd like to reach out to me, please do so by emailing me at franciscak at gmail.com. F-R-A-N-C-I-S-K-A-K-A-Y at gmail.com. If you aren't already, please make sure to follow me on Instagram at Francisca Music for my updates, announcements, some inside information on the podcast, where I share my stories and my posts. And make sure to check back in next week for an episode with Raquel Arise, an update episode. Stay in touch and have a great week.